Attention comedy musicians and comedy music fans, the Logan Awards are taking open nominations for outstanding comedy songs and videos released last year for this year's awards. Did you release a comedy song or music video in 2022, or have a favorite comedy song or video that was released then? Then nominate it for the Logan Awards today. The Logan Awards are essentially the Comedy Music Awards, sponsored annually by the Funny Music Project and are presented in three categories. Outstanding Original Comedy Song, Outstanding Parody Song, and Outstanding Comedy Music Video. If you have a comedy song that was released in 2022 that you'd like to nominate for 2023's awards, head to loganawards.com and click the nominations tab at the top. There is a minimum and maximum of five nominations per person. Hurry! Nominations close this year on June 30th. For more details about Logan himself, the awards, and more, check out loganawards.com. Help us commemorate the year's best comedy songs and music videos with a trophy, the way they do with every other form of entertainment. But if you want your favorites to win, you have to nominate them by June 30th. Get your nominations in now at LoganAwards.com, brought to you by TheFump.com. I'm JP Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the, the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Well, there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out uh, around the time this episode should be released, and they're saying it's the last one. We've kind of been through that couple of times already. So we decided to go back to when the very first time they said this was going to be the last Indiana Jones movie. The one that's conveniently titled Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We were thinking about doing Temple of Doom. But we really wanted to focus on the Nazi punching because that's what Indiana Jones does best. Also, this is what most people consider their favorite indiana jones movie this was the first indiana jones movie i ever saw really i saw part of temple of doom before i really could appreciate movies so i never really watched the full that full movie but when i was old enough to appreciate movies i actually saw indiana jones and the last crusade on television for a lot of people this is their favorite Indiana Jones movie and I understand why that is but Temple of Doom has such a weird place in my heart which has been ripped out of my chest and put back so many times that it's it's hard not to have a soft spot for that film for me mm-hmm. but uh I do see why this one tops most people's list. It's probably, you know, it's absolutely the better made of the original trilogy and it flows together better and the cast has the most coherent chemistry and, you know, mm-hmm. all the pieces are there. So I can I can see why it tops everybody else's list but mine. My thing for uh temple of doom is is much more nostalgia trip i think and this movie was kind of done in a way to kind of uh 
answer a lot of the criticisms that Temple of Doom had. As this one, in some cases, it's a bit more lighthearted. There's definitely more comedy in this film than any of the previous two films. And I think that was a direct uh, response to to the 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 various uh, violence and, and 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 I guess gore, if you want to go on that, if you want to call it that, of the previous two movies. We do get a pretty gory scene towards the end of the movie. But it's yeah, like, one of the most infamous in film history, really. But it's no melting face, but it'll do. <laughs> the the thing is, is uh, we've kind of mentioned uh, previously that the Indiana Jones movies and Temple of Doom were kind of responsible for ushering in the PG-13 rating into the rating system in America. This in Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was all kind of in in that same vein, but it was very much a... There were a few lines that were crossed uh within the the franchise that people thought Spielberg was was pushing a few a few buttons for what you, kids should be allowed to to see in the theater uh in an action film so uh that kind of ended up necessitating the PG-13 rating, a lot of people thought. Um, I watched these movies at a pretty young age, and uh, I think I turned out all right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to answer that question because I want to live to see tomorrow. That's a smart move on your part. You're a smart boy. The, um, The thing about Indiana Jones, though, is that he was while he was based on all of those you know 40s adventure serials that we talked about when we talked about Raiders of the Lost Ark he was also based on a more recent action hero as well which was James Bond mm. And we even got a James Bond in this movie. And that is kind of why we we have the James Bond uh in the movie. Um because one of the things that inspired Spielberg and Lucas to even make the series in the first place was that they saw how successful the Bond franchise was at the time um, because it was still going pretty gangbusters in the 70s and early 80s and uh, they were like we really want to do an action hero that would become at least as big or bigger than James Bond and was American yeah, but it was American, you know. They thought, like, 
well, spiritually, that's already kind of the the father of the role. So why don't we ask a previous Bond to do it? And they ended up asking Sean Connery, and Sean Connery's like, you know I'm only 12 years older than Harrison Ford, right? I am not old enough to be Harrison Ford's father. That is an insult. Um, Now, with with Dial of Destiny coming in, Ford is now 20-plus years older than... than Connery was in this in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's really strange, and it's kind of funny because you see them do the scene. I really laughed because I had kind of halfway for, forgotten about it in how they they frame the scene at the beginning of the movie of you know. 26 years younger Sean Connery because of course they get they get teenage River Phoenix to play young young Indiana Jones Jones, but they don't get a 26 years younger actor to play uh, Sean Connery because everybody knows what Sean Connery looked like 26 years younger you know we didn't have Um, a de-aging technology back in 1989 yeah and that's kind of my point so they can't do what they're going to be doing in dial of destiny with harrison ford (laughs) and go like well you know we have this technology now and everybody knows what harrison ford looked like back then because that's when the original films were made also we just see an actor's hands and Connery Connery dubbing over the actor and Connery dubbing over the actor. Yeah. So the, it is kind of interesting of what would that scene have looked like if we had all that fancy Disney de-aging technology, we would have like, you know, original James Bond era, Sean Connery, just looking at River Phoenix. Yeah, it's like, Tell, it's like gold, Goldfinger era Sean Connery looking uh, Henry Jones Sr. sitting at that desk going, you know, saying those same lines. And yeah, like a lot, I mean, it was a trend. Let's, let's say it right now. There was a trend that the Muppets started. That let's take our main characters of our franchise and make them younger. Because Muppet Babies was a huge hit, and then everyone had to make their own. You know, we had, you know, uh, you know, we had Yo Yogi, and we had Tom and Jerry kids, and eventually would lead us to Tiny Toon Adventures. And here we get eventually get the spin-off show, Young Indiana Jones, which also now is on Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to make the joke about it, but like 10 years from when this movie came out, we would get episode one, Phantom Menace Star Wars. Like, if it was instead of a series, could Lucas have done a trilogy of young Indiana Jones movies? I think that was possibly on 
in their brains. But then, of course, we get the tragic death of River Phoenix. Mm. I mean, River Phoenix was such an up-and-coming actor. To everybody, it looked like he was going to be, you know, such a star with staying appeal, you know? Mm-hmm. And that he he was absolutely going to be the, the next big thing. Had he lived, I absolutely believe that he would probably be in that vein of Oscar winning, you know, in his middle ages now doing these prestige drama pictures and all that kind of stuff. Pretty much where Harrison Ford would end up going. Well, I mean, he he would probably have a career like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio or something now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um in in that same kind of of vein because that's where he seemed to be going. Mm-hmm. Of course, we we tragically lost him to that drug overdose and we we don't know where he would have gone um had he lived longer but we lost him you know early 20s i i believe yeah just a few years after this movie came out yeah so i think they would they they might have had an idea along that line you know that mm. if this this movie had come out there would have been like a how did Indy meet Marion how did Indy meet you know like some of the early adventures that we've heard kind of talked about um how Indy had, met Marcus had River wanted to <laughs> yeah. you know ha- had River wanted to do that well I mean they say in this movie how how Indy met Marcus is Marcus was a friend of Henry's Mm-hmm. Um, so it might have gone gone through the you know like you know Indy's petulant years trying not to be a, an archaeologist before he decided to go back to school and get a degree you know it's like <laughs> I mean and, 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 and the young Indiana Jones chronicles the adventures of young Indiana Jones whichever title you want to go about that series just went in so many different directions with that show with him having these odd jobs all over the world and as a kid or and or as a young man and I kind of do want to cover one of those stories at some point in the future. Yeah, and they did a lot of tie-in books for that as well. Harrison Ford actually did a few cameos in the series. Yeah. TVA take us to the alternate timeline where River Phoenix lived and we got the young indiana jones movie yeah that would have been cool to see i think Mm. because uh even in the short little 
opening that they do here. It's like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Ri- River. Well, I mean, short compared to a full film. Yeah. Is River Phoenix absolutely nails that entire character. Uh, River Phoenix was handpicked by Harrison Ford to play his younger self. They had worked on another film together and Harrison Ford said, yeah, if anyone's going to play young me, it's going to be this kid. Yeah, I mean, I do love that that this whole thing happens while they're they're off on like a Boy Scout trip, because, of course, Spielberg has to be like, well, if I was a Boy Scout, then, of course, the greatest adventure in the world has to be the world's best Boy Scout. (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, Indiana Jones has to be the best Boy Scout in his Boy Scout troop, even better than the Scoutmaster. Yeah. Who is with them, who is also lost, apparently. It's a very, very interesting day. It's it's very, very convenient that every major event that shaped young Indiana Jones's personality happened on the same day. Oh, how yeah. did he get the whip? Here's how. Oh, how did he get the scar on his cheek? This is how. How did he get his trademark hat? This is how. How did he think of his look? This is how. How did he get afraid of snakes? This is how. (laughs) Yeah. How did he decide that everything should be in a museum? Well, apparently that was his dad. But the... (laughs) Um... The... The the really... Funny part of that to me is that he goes from oh don't worry it's just a snake to I never want to see snakes again just by the multiplication factor of snake yeah like one snake fine hundred snakes not fine yeah I don't I don't really get that in my brain and I've never quite understood that comedy i guess like i said this movie has a lot more comedy and jokes than the previous films and it's 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 weird yeah i don't know it's like people have tried to explain that to me over the years like no you don't understand it's like one snake is okay because it's like one snake but then he falls into the like the, the whole thing of snakes and then there's snakes later and i'm like yeah, I still don't. I, I still don't get it. I I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. My brain is weird. But mm. the uh, the the whole opening sequence is really good, and I like how it never kind of lets up. Like from the moment you spot what you think is going to be indie, and it turns out to be these robbers you know these grave robbers instead Mm -hmm. um and all that there's really no let up in that Mm -hmm. it just keeps going and then you see the little kid you know you see river phoenix is a boy scout and his his friend goes indy indy indiana what are we gonna do 
Yeah. Just to let the audience know, this is Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. But the... The thing is, is that I... I like the the way that everything on this is filmed, that you know that he's not yet the man he will become. You know, he goes to jump on the horse and the horse moves just enough that he falls. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all of his little tricks don't quite work out the way he wants. And, you know. Yeah. He's got the bravery that we know from later. He's got the the mind that we know from later. It's just he doesn't have the practice yet, which I love. I mean, the first time he cracks a whip, he cuts his own cheek. His, he cuts his chin, which is how he gets the scar. Did we need to have all of those elements in the opening scene? I don't think we did. Eh, I mean, it's kind of cute, and I think it works... I think this works better than a lot of stuff in, say, I mean, to go back to a Star Wars comparison, like that solo movie. Mm. Whereas, like, do we really need to know how How he got his. The Kessel Run? (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, I think we kind of needed to know about the Kessel Run because George Lucas was not smart enough to know that a parsec is a unit of measurement and not time, but, uh, the, uh, you know, a unit of distance and not time, but the, um, thing about it is like, you know, did we really need to know where the dice hanging from the millennium Falcon came from? Did we really need to know how he got, his last name did we really need to know you know what i'm saying like yeah most people didn't care most people are like han solo's name is han solo because it's han solo and a lot of it takes away from the mystique of the character rather than adding to it whereas something about all of this scene kind of adds to the character of indiana jones to me except for the snake thing which has never quite made sense but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that this scene is the way to do it. And I think when people try to do stuff like they do in Solo, they're trying to recreate this scene and they just do it kind of badly. I don't know. It, but I will say this. I would I would rather take any of the Star Wars prequel movies condensed to 10 minutes before any of the other movies. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think if you're going to do a background on a character like that, in some ways, maybe shorter is better. Um, it, it gets in and gets out and doesn't... Uh, doesn't overstay its welcome, which I like. Um, and it also sets up this sort of parent that Henry was. Mm-hmm. And his obsession with the Grail and why uh, he and Indy probably did not have 
the the greatest relationship going forward. I mean, as Indy says later in the movie, they've never talked. Never once have they after you sat down and had a anywhere close to adult conversation with each other. Even after Indy's mom passed. They it's always been silence or business. Yeah, he says that the last time they sat down and had a drink, it was a milkshake. Um, so that, that tells you how long it's been. Like, never once in his adult life has Indy just sat down and had, like, a meal with his father, you mm-hmm. know? Because he's always been looking for the grail. His, his, you know, it's been his life's obsession to find the holy grail. And so much so that his mother apparently had some sort of disease that she hid from her husband. Presumably from Uh, the child, too. Well, I mean, yeah, but a parent doesn't generally, Mm -hmm. especially not at that time. Mm. I mean, that would have been like, you know, late late 20 you know mid 20s or so Hmm. um because she already seems to have been gone by the time we see uh that scene at the beginning um but she keeps it from henry until it is no longer able to be hidden and it is too late to do anything about it if there if there was anything to be done about it at all, we don't know. Because they never say what illness she had. Mm. Um, and Henry claims that she did that because of... Because she knew of how important the... Um, the grail was to him which mm, do we really believe that are we mm, gonna buy that i don't believe it honestly i think that's what professor jones told himself to make him feel better yeah it's like oh she sacrificed herself for the cause and i, I i'm not buying that i think that she just kind of went like yeah he's he's not gonna there's no point in talking to the man he's not gonna listen to reason yeah the thing about it though is that i always really liked the way this father-son relationship was portrayed I've always liked how it's a rather realistic portrayal of the strain between the two of them Mm -hmm. that you can buy them both as, you know, you can by Henry as a man who is much more invested in the work and the quest for the grail 
and not uncaring about his son, but that his son is an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And you can buy Indy as a man who desperately wants his father's love and approval, but he doesn't know how to show that. So it just kind of comes out in snark and anger and also this is the 1940s that you know that we're still in the men don't show emotion kind of vibe i mean oh yeah but there's uh, that that absolutely wonderful bit where you know after that great action sequence and with the tank or, or with what? the tank and you know and they're all standing there and everybody thinks that Indy has gone over with the tank and they're looking over and the audience is seeing Indy climb back up the the cliff so we know he's not dead but you hear Henry going like you know I I never told him how I felt I I could have just taken 5 minutes you know and all that. And of course, Indy doesn't hear any of that. But when he gets back up and he's looking over the cliff of like, okay, what are we looking at? And Henry turns around and he just hugs Indy. I thought I lost you, boy. Yeah. And that, that moment of like, and the two of them play it so well. Because, like, nobody else sees his face, but just the, like, smile on his face and the, like, my dad is hugging me. I'm all, I'm getting a hug. It's what he wanted. You know, he's getting that, 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 uh, that love and affection from his father. Yeah, like, like I'm, I'm getting a hug from my dad. This is the greatest feeling in the world. You know, like, it's a real genuine hug. It's not like that, like, straight guy hug of, like... I pull you in, I give two pats, and then I shove you away. You know, like, it's like a genuine prolonged hug of affection, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's such a, like, beautiful little smile, because he's just like, oh. My dad really does love me. <laughs> you know, my dad really cares about me, you know? And then it's, like, completely undercut by, like, what are you sitting down for? We got work to do, you know? like, <laughs> But... It's it's such a perfect kind of, you know, and the bit with the vase, you know, when he comes in to, to rescue his dad and he's like, yeah, don't worry, my head's fine. And he's like, no, this is a fake. Oh, 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 thank goodness. And there's that moment of like on Indy's face of like, oh, good, my dad actually does care about me. And then he goes like, oh, it's a fake. And then it's like moment of like. Ah, crushed again. Yep, there's the feeling I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like Yeah. Every every moment like that is played so perfectly of like here's here's just a little bit of hope and then nope, nope. I was wrong to hope. I I knew it. And you know, that's the relationship throughout the entire movie, you know, it's it's Henry is very focused on the quest. You know, we have to do this. We have to do, do that. Don't trust and you know, don't don't trust Elsa and all that. And 
And uh, Indy is, you know, he lets his feelings get in the way. You know, he's, you know, he, he, you know, he allows, you know, you know, don't, don't hurt Elsa. I'll give you what you want. And, and then the, the big heel turn from Elsa. Blonde women named Elsa. What's the deal? <laughs> I mean, it was a so it was a common name, and I think they wanted the audience immediately to be like, "Ah, she's a Nazi." Like, how did you know she talks in her sleep? That was apparently a an ad lib from Sean Connery. That they, you they, you you weren't supposed to know that that she had also slept with Henry until much later in the movie. But apparently it was so funny that they just decided to leave it in. I was I was gonna let that be the problem for the next man. Yeah, well I was the next man. Yeah. The, and it's like, it's like whenever that gets brought up in the narrative, it's just Harrison Ford, this look of disgust on his face, it's like really? I don't know what he's more disgusted at, uh his father sleeping with her or her sleeping with him. I mean, probably the the latter, I would say. But but she had her reason. She slept with him because she she wanted the Grail. Yeah, I mean it. Which is, you know, a lot of people say that like, well, it seems in the movie like she really had more feelings for Indy, and I'm like, but did she though? Like it just kind of seems like she was using them both for the same reason. Pretty that that's that's my gathering of them. That was my gathering of the scene, especially the scene where when er, earlier in the movie, you know, Indy goes into her room and it's trashed, and they have this weird, awkward flirtation where he forces a kiss on her. Yeah, I mean. The thing is, is I think if she had to choose between them, she would have gone for Indy because he was closer to her age and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think she really particularly had much feeling for either of them. I think they were both means to an end. Yeah, it was all about getting the grail. Even in the end... Her thing was get the grail. She, you know, risks her own life just to grab that grail because that's what most important, even at the cost of her own life, what's more important is getting that grail and getting the glory and getting the money and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, she says that she doesn't believe in Nazi ideology. She believes in the grail. But the thing is, is that it's always kind of ambiguous what she wants the grail for. When she takes the grail at the end, she's like, come on, Indy, you and me, we've, we've got the grail now, but she never goes to drink from the grail. She never says anything about, like, and now we can be rich, or, and now the Fuhrer will give me a high position or something. Like, she never has a plan for the Grail. 
it's just like, yay, I've I've got it. Even her boss, Donovan, he just wants to grail for immortality. He, yeah, he was, I mean, he, he has a plan for the grail. I want to drink from the grail so I can live forever. And plan for the grail. Nazis want the grail so that they can have immortal soldiers that will take over the world. Plan for the grail. You know, Indy and his father want it for like a museum or whatever. You know, like mm-hmm. they're in it for the history part and, you know, proving it's real and all that kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're historians and archaeologists. Like that makes sense. But Elsa's just kind of like, like what's she going to do with it? Like put it in her china cabinet? Like she doesn't really seem to have like is she gonna sell it is she gonna be young and pretty forever like what what does she want to do with it but in the end it's like her obsession it's i mean i mean mean, as henry says at the end of the movie she thought she found a prize like Maybe it was more of a uh, financial thing, you know, oh, I can sell this to someone, make a lot of money. Or I could sell, drink from the Holy Grail and live forever. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff she could do with it in the context of the movie, because everybody else says what they want to do with it, except for her. I just find that interesting. Maybe she didn't even think, maybe she didn't have a plan. Because she purposely gives Donovan the wrong grail, takes the right grail, and she's going to walk out that cave with it. And I don't think she thought of anything else after that. Yeah. I've always loved the the scene when they are... when they have the Joneses tied up in the... the room of the castle. Dad, what? They're, Dad, what? <laughs> Yeah, but um, I I love the the kind of how they set up the kind of weird bumbling nature of Henry there because he's like you know okay try to burn through the ropes and then immediately Henry does the dumbest thing ever drops the and lighter and turns the the lighter underneath his wrist. To turn the flame on himself. Um, which I always, even as a kid, I was like, why would you do that? He's not an adventurer. He's a professor. It also has one of my favorite continuity errors. Because when he drops the lighter, it falls with the open side of the, you know, the the lighter uh, one way. And then... Two shots later, it flips around as he's blowing on it. So if you look, the cap of the lighter is facing, like, right. And then, like, two shots later, it's facing left. And then it keeps flipping back and forth. Um, It's just always one of the little things I noticed when I was a kid. And I can never unsee whenever I watch the film. Mm. Um, But I always laughed because all of my... German comes from Spielberg films mm-hmm. so I can only say like three or four words in German and pretty much all of them are things like 
you know, go faster and various um, bits of like expletives and stuff. <laughs> Because that's the only thing you ever hear in movies like this is just like random Nazis screaming at each other like, get them! No, that way! And it's like... (laughs) So all of my German is absolutely useless unless I'm telling you to like, you know, go get somebody escaping from you during an action film. Mm. (laughs) Um. This is is one of the most comedic escape scenes during an action film, and I love it because it's played to like perfection by the both of them. And it's both, and it's played up great. I mean, it, the the two have great co- comedic chemistry together. Like I said, it, it's adding more comedy into the into the film, and it works great, especially you know the 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 general calm demeanor of Henry versus let's go, let's go, let's go of, of, of Indy. And how every time Indy does something that he thinks looks cool and he's right because it's every time the audience goes like, yeah, he always turns around to his dad and his dad just gives him this disapproving look like that's completely I you, unimpressed. <laughs> I bet you think you look cool right now. You're not cool. You know, mm-hmm. Um, which is such a, a like letdown for quit, like quit hot dog, quit hot dog and son. We got a thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, that's that's such a that's such a moment, you know. Yeah, we're like when they're, they're on the the motorcycle or or something like that. And he just looks over like, look, Dad, I just killed a Nazi, and like, oh yeah. yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't... Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to kill Nazi's son. What? You want a gold star? You know, like. <laughs> you want a cookie? <laughs> yeah. It's like. Oh, it's such a vicious, vicious thing. You know, it's like coming home and being like, I made a 90 on my test. Why wasn't it a, a 100? You know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, it's like the... that kind of move. Yeah. Oh. Like, Henry Jones is just, like, the absolute gold medal parent of, like, underselling, you know, the cool thing your kid just did. Ugh. Yeah. Like, you got the world's best kid there, Henry Jones. And, like, you're absolutely giving him nothing. You're giving him nothing. And like also we got we gotta talk about the thing about the name, right? Alright, let's go there. Yeah. Cause alright, everybody everybody knows it's it's Indiana Jones, and then in this movie we get the origin of the name Indiana Jones that he had the dog that was named Indiana. And he really loved the dog. And so when he became an adventurer, he took the name Indiana and he wants all of his friends and apparently his family too to call him Indiana. I mean, he's even calling himself Indiana as a teenager, as his friends are all, call- all calling him Indy. Yeah. And, and the dog and is apparently that alive. dog is still alive because yeah. we see the dog in the thing. It's a Alaskan yeah. Malmute. 
And he's such a cute dog. Um, but the thing is, is that is apparently a joke because the character was named after a dog that George Lucas had. Um, and so they thought it would make a good name for like an adventuring character, you know? So he was like, all right, you know, that's, that's funny. And it would be funny if the character also got the name from the dog. Um, so they wrote the, the joke into the script, but the thing is, is like the entire film, Henry Jones calls his son junior we see him say it in the first scene when he's a teenager and we see it throughout the the film as an adult as well and we see that indy hates it every time don't call me junior yeah to the point where he just gets angry grabs a nazi's gun and shoots a bunch of them yeah which you know I mean, if you're going to take your anger out on something, that's an appropriate response. The thing about it is, is like, Junior, and no offense to anybody who, like, is is called that and you find it wonderfully endearing and stuff. I'm not going to, you know, knock anybody's name that they like being called. But when Henry calls Indy Jr., it's not like an affectionate nickname or something. He doesn't call Indy a name. He calls him a title. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like, if he were to call him Henry or Hank or, you know something else or like by a middle name or whatever that would be him calling him by a name you know when he when he says like my name is indiana and he goes well we named the dog indiana the appropriate response would be like we named you henry or hank or you know henry jackson jones or whatever his middle name is okay mm -hmm. Yes, he's a junior by default of there is already a Henry Jones senior. To call him junior is just to be like, you're an extension of me. I mean, he calls him either junior, kid, or boy. Yeah. And it's not really a way of seeing him as a full individual it's like it's like calling him like copy or part two mm. or it's like the king of the realm calling his firstborn son heir you know it's like it's your it's your title or your job not your name you know and it's like i get that some families use that affectionately or whatever and that some people do find that an affectionate nickname, and that's fine. But 
for Indy, that is not an affectionate name. Okay? And he never and and Henry never says it with affection. Oh yeah, it's never once said with affection. It's always done harshly. It's always junior or boy or you know mm. whatever. Um, and the only time he ever calls Indy by a name, and more specifically by Indy's name, meaning his, the name that Indy wants to be called, is when name. he yeah. saves his life. Yeah. Indiana, you have to let it go. Yeah. In that moment, that's the only time they ever really connect. And that's when Indy chooses to let the grail go and return to his father. And I think that's the only time that Henry ever really sees Indy as a person and as something that he truly loves more than anything in the world. There's also a bit of, of proud from Henry. You know, he, you know, Indy found the grail. He used the grail to say he could have used the grail for anything, but he used the grail to save his father's life. Yeah, and Indy only drank from the grail to ensure it was the correct grail. Mm -hmm. He had no desire to drink from the grail. He had no desire for the powers of the grail for himself. The only reason he took a sip of the grail was to make sure it was the right one. Mm -hmm. And that it would save his father. Which was a pure task, you know? Mm -hmm. Um... And once he knew that, he was, you know, willing to to do that. And the only reason he turned he turned back for the Grail was probably for his father. He said, "Dad, I can get it. I'm so, I'm so. I can." His I can, fingertips you know. are touching the Grail. Yeah, and he sees his dad there. He knows this is his dad's dream. I think the only reason he reached back. Because when when his dad wasn't there, he's telling Elsa leave it. You know, it's it's not worth it. But his dad is there, and this is his dad's dream, his, and it's I mean, so close. His his entire life, he's been trying to find the Holy Grail, and it's right there. It's within his finger. It's within in his reach, touching it with his fingertips. Dad, I can I can give you your dream right now. This is the thing that you cared about more than me, more than my mother, you know, the, the, this is the thing. Maybe this is the thing I can give you that will make you love me. And Henry, in maybe the only good thing he's ever done in his life, we don't know. I don't know. I do not really have a lot of respect for Henry Jones. I don't know if you if that's coming through. But Henry, in like the one good thing he does actually says like no let it go you know i've i've got El elsa's and let it go like he's coming back <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but that i and i'm i'm not really sure that ever really i mean it it struck me you know kind of in my heart, but I'm not sure my brain ever really fully grokked that until this watch through. That that connection to the the name in that moment. 
that that is the only time in the movie he ever actually fully recognizes Indiana as his son. And then when they when they're outside again, he's like, well, Junior, you know, but I mean, it's said a little more affectionately. And then we're back to like, dad, you know, Mm -hmm. and even though we're not really talking about the fourth movie, you can tell they've they kind of drifted apart again a little bit. I, I mean, it seems like it wasn't as bad as before. Um, cause he, he does, you know, we know that, that Henry has passed by the time of the fourth movie, but you feel that they kind of did drift apart again after that adventure a little bit. Mm. And I do kind of wonder if that was part of it. Like there's still that, that bit of animosity of like. You know, I asked you for a very simple thing, which is just to kind of respect the person I am. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that there was a, I mean, I'm going to be real. I've never seen the fourth film. It it is kind of a joke with me that I kind of don't acknowledge the fourth film's existence. I mean, that's, that's, that's valid. (laughs) We'll see how the fifth one goes. (laughs) We'll see. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got higher hopes for it, but again, that's not uh, that's not a high bar to cross. Yeah. Sidebar, though, before we get really get before we go anywhere else, the fact that this is still very much a Paramount movie. In fact, the first four films, as well as the TV series, still has the Paramount logo before it, and this was on Paramount Plus up until recently. So I'm wondering if Disney and Paramount has some sort of deal to bring the films to Disney Plus. I mean, to a, a since Disney does own the character of Indiana Jones since they bought Lucasfilm, was this some sort of uh, uh, agreement between Disney and Paramount to allow these movies on Disney Plus for the time being to coincide with the release of the new movie? Yeah, because they only hit Paramount Plus like I don't know. Two, three days before we recorded this, so I don't know. I mean, when we recorded the first Indiana Jones episode, when we did Raiders all those years ago, it was still on Netflix. And then right after that, it went to Paramount Plus when it first launched, and now it's on Disney Plus. So, yeah. It is so difficult to uh, keep up with where anything is streaming at any given point, or if it is streaming at all. There are some sites that can help with that, but they're not... I mean, it, they're not updated on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, there there are sites that, that are good for that, as far as, you know, if you type in whatever movie you're looking for and the word streaming after it into Google, you can generally get a good feel for where it's at at any given time. But stuff updates so quickly that sometimes those sites can't even keep up with it either. I mean, as far as, like, stuff like Indiana Jones, I love it so much I just keep physical copies around. Mm-hmm. Um, for Indiana Jones, I have multiple 
physical copies in multiple formats. You know, I still have Indiana Jones in widescreen VHS format, to be honest. But I know that that's not what everybody does. Mm. So I am still a big believer of keeping physical media around if you can. Um, Especially, you know... We mentioned it last week, especially now that even Disney Plus is starting to remove content, even its own original content from its from its service. And that directly goes against the original promise of Disney Plus, because Disney Plus, when it launched, had promised that it was originally going to be the Disney digital catalog. Like, it was basically going to be the, the Disney, Disney vault no longer. archive all the time, always. No more Disney Vault. It's gone. It's gone forever, and now it's back. Yeah. Um, and everybody's going like, well, you know, it, it costs a lot for server space to do. And I want to go like, Disney owns 80% of the entire world. Like... If they can't do it, it can't be done. And honestly, don't tell me it can't be done. Because I know it can. You know? They can afford this. They can afford to pay their workers. They can afford yeah. to pay their writers. They can afford to pay their actors. Um. So, uh, what I'm saying is that they can. They just aren't because a couple of executives want a seventh yacht. Yeah. And I'd rather preserve media culturally for the sake of humanity than have some dude that does nothing have a seventh yacht. And that is a hill I am perfectly willing to die on. And probably will because of the pollution of that dude's seventh yacht. So, yeah. But Indiana Jones is really cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A lot of this movie, I mean, we, we I mean, in, in every Indiana Jones movie, there is that that bit of the supernatural with and and we actually do get a shout out to to Raiders of the Lost Ark because we get a mention of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, there is one scene in this film where I swear that Marcus is having a flashback to being told about the Ark of the Covenant. And I don't know if you caught it, but or if I'm just like reading too much into it, but there is a moment where Marcus is trapped in the tank and the the Nazi is going on about like, you know, we will have the grail and we will rule the world and it will be Nazis everywhere and stuff. And Marcus just gives this really far away look and he's like, trust me, you do not know of the powers of which you meddle. <laughs> and he just has this like really haunted look and you know that he can just hear vicariously the screams. <laughs> where like Indy got like really drunk one night and told him about what went down. 
and they, and they do like you know the uh, indie you know straight up you know when 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 they're getting shot at and and, and Henry you know talks about this you know like, like you act like like this is a regular occurrence and he says yeah this happens to me all the time people are just shooting at him just for going on these adventures yeah well we do we do see the the end of that cross of Coronado adventure you know when it it goes from teenage him to adult him uh finally tracking it it down again and they're shooting at him and punching him and you know he eventually blows up the ship and gets the the cross back mm-hmm. but so i mean it it had just happened to him like a, a few weeks earlier but a lot of this movie is based on faith, belief. Since this is the Holy Grail, this is the cup of Christ. They, you know, the the as seen in the film, you know, the the cup Jesus drank at, at the Last Supper, the cup that the blood flowed into at the crucifixion. That a lot of this, even finding the Grail, relied a lot on faith. Indy has to take a literal leap of faith to get to the Grail. And as and this is this all of this faith is something that Henry takes very seriously. Yes, he has the drawings of 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 the glass art on uh, in his diary, and he slaps Indy when he said when he uh, invokes the name of Jesus. So it's like it seems that Henry is is a very religious man, despite him being also a man of science. You know, when when Elsa dies, Henry says she didn't believe in the Grail. She thought she found a prize. And I think that's that's kind of the 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 at least the moral that this movie is wanting to tell you. Versus faith versus glory. Because the Nazis didn't really believe in the Grail. They just wanted the Grail because it could grant them immortality. Donovan didn't want the Grail out of belief in in Jesus or or anything. He wanted it because it could make him immortal. We really don't know what Elsa wanted the grail for, but she just wanted the physical object of the grail. And when it was all said and done, Henry was willing to let that grail go because he got what he wanted. He got the proof that the grail exists. It renewed his faith. He saw the 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 immortal knight in, 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 as the cave is collapsing, gives him the the wave. So he, as he says, he got illumination from the adventure versus glory or riches, which to him was more important. And I, you could say it sort of renewed any kind of faith that Indy would have had if he had any to begin with. Well, the thing is, is like a lot of people call faith the you know belief in things not seen so I don't know if you would really call it faith with Indy because he'd already had we know at least two moments in his life where he came across the supernatural absolutely working where where he had proof because both in the stones in 
Temple of Doom. And again in um, the Ark, you know, when in Raiders, he sees the power of these objects. Um, and one of them is specifically supposed to be in the Judeo-Christian tradition, you know, from from that specific God. I, I don't know why he would have any reason to disbelieve if this object existed, it would not also be imbued with power, you know? Mm-hmm. He might not believe the object exists at the beginning, but, you know, once he steps in there and there's, like, a 700-year-old knight, you know, he's like, okay, all right. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> and definitely by the time you get to disintegrating Nazi, you're like, all right, there's there's definitely something going on here. By this point in the story, Indy is an idiot if he doesn't already know there are forces beyond his ken, you know? <laughs> I mean, the next movie, he meets aliens. Um, but I'm just talking about in the context of this film, you know? The original, the original trilogy. The original trilogy. Uh, the, yeah, the... Uh, Indy has, has already seen at least two things that are only explainable if there are supernatural powers that come from somewhere. Um, so, you know, he, he steps into that room. You know, we, we see the mechanisms for how the, the booby traps work. So up until that point, he's like, all right, I'm, Maybe someone just set up some booby traps. Because we see the saw blades and we see him stopping the mechanism. So we know that's not supernatural. And we see theoretically how the, you know, stepping stones on the letters are supposed to work. Except it really doesn't because he should have been dead the first time he made a misstep. Because technically the way the stepping stones are supposed to work is that when you see the the undershot of him dangling, you see the pillars coming out from the stone of like where they're supposed to connect up to the letters. And none of the letters Indy is dangling from have any support system to them. So why they didn't also crumble and him fall through, I don't know. Plot armor. Uh, and also how the other, like, how the, the the Nazis made it through after, like, how Donovan and Elsa made it through on the correct stepping stones, I don't know. Well, I mean, they were, I assume, I, I think they were right there with, with Henry when he said, you know, you have to spell the name of God, but in ancient, in, in the Greek pantheon... Uh, but they Jehovah's- were standing too far away. Like he's mumbling to Sala mm-hmm. and to uh, Brody, mm-hmm. and they're like, "No, no, no! Try not to talk." But I don't. But the other two are 
standing closer to the the door of the ca- so I don't really think they're hearing him except for when he shouts out because he's speaking too low so I'm a little unsure how they made it through that trap unless yeah. like maybe shoe prints I don't know um and then the last one is so simple to figure out, even if he hadn't have put the sand on it, that I'm not sure how that was really going to cause anybody's death. You either just go like, F that and turn around, mm-hmm. or you make it at that point. Like, that's that's pretty easy, because once you step off, that's a relatively wide ledge for most people. Like, unless you just go, like, I'm gonna leap, and then you just, like, go, like, oh, there's something here, ah, and then just fall over. I mean, le- leap of faith, they do say it, but it's a... I mean, I do like how the, the, the bridge is blending into the wall, so you kind of have to do I mean, it's a cool faith. idea, but I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like, as a booby trap that is supposed to cause death, mm-hmm. if you don't pass it, I'm not really sure how that's going to cause either it's supposed to cause either pass or death. You know? Mm-hmm. Like the other two are either you've nailed this or you die. Except for Indy who does not pass it and somehow he still lives to try yeah. again. He gets a mulligan on that second one. <laughs> also, I don't I don't get the first one with the with the saw blades because even though he kneels, there is a second saw blade that would kill you even if you kneel. So even if you understood that penitent means kneel, I don't understand how you're supposed to understand that penitent means kneel and tuck and roll. Yeah. Because the tuck and roll, not really an important part of most prayer ceremonies. Like, just don't really get that one. Never have quite understood that one. Eh, it's a movie. <laughs> it's like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Let me come to confession and do the tuck and roll. <laughs> don't, don't really, don't really see that one very often. But eh. okay. Um, also, they really didn't want anybody getting past that first stage. Is what also I'm as. Also, one thing that the knight says that I had completely forgotten, uh, uh, the, the, the boundary is the price of immortality, meaning that the, the grail cannot pass by the seal at the beginning of the cave, as we see in you know, the kid's cave-in, but also that seems to also be the price of immortality, meaning that you cannot leave the cave or you will not be immortal. Hence, the 700-year-old knight staying there to guard the grail, if he were to walk out of that ca- cavern, he would no longer be immortal. Yeah, which I think is the the point when they're like, oh, the, the other two brothers came back 130 years later. They probably stayed around for a while, and then they were like, two of us have to go back out in the world and figure out something to do to make sure the grail will stay safe 
Because eventually somebody's going to figure out where it is. Mm-hmm. And if they bring like a giant army, there's only three of us. So they probably, you know, drank from the grail, got all their strengths up, you know. But the thing is, is I think it probably, even if you pass out of the cave, it probably brings you back to, like, the best health you'd be in for whatever age you were when you drank from the grail. Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. Which is probably why Indiana Jones is wandering around at 80 still riding yeah. horses and punching Nazis and stuff is because he was, drank that... from the grail like he's not immortal he's probably still gonna die soon but you know he's it... really really good health for an 80 year old that was one of the conversations I remember when Crystal Skull came out how can Henry Senior be dead he drank from the grail shouldn't he be immortal but it seems that the immortality is gone once you pass out of the cave Yeah, he was probably really, really healthy for a guy whatever age he was supposed to be at that time. But whatever happened to him after he left happened to him, you know? Age normally. Yeah. Because the other two brothers left and they died. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember other people being like, oh, they... They must have not drank from the grail. It's like they had to have drunk from the grail because they came back 130 years after the crusade. Mm-hmm. It says that in the movie. So, like, yeah, they had to have had extended lives. It's just that once they left the cave again, they restarted aging and, you know, all that normally. But when they left that cave, man, were they in really good health, you know? Mm. Mm. So they're obviously the ones that started that, like, you know, cult of the cruciform cross or, you know, whatever. The you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's redundant, the cruciform cross, the cruciform sword, isn't it? Whatever, you know, whatever. The, the guys that are that are there uh, talking to to Indy and show up at the end to try to stop the Nazis and then get wiped out. You know, they probably started that group and they probably put up a whole bunch of other stuff to try to keep it safe. And they're probably the ones that, you know, planted a a bunch of other stuff throughout the, the story. Mm -hmm. But that was just the, the last of the the brothers there Mm -hmm. and they were probably looking for someone who was because the the knight says i knew you would come so they were probably saying like hey we're going to start a new search for somebody who will be strong enough to replace you Mm. you know Like, you're not going to have to stay in this cave forever. And I don't think that he's telling the truth when he's like, oh, my strength has failed me. I think he's just like, oh, thank goodness my replacement is here. I get to go retire. (laughs) What year is it again? 
Yeah. Nineteen, you said. Nineteen. <laughs> yeah. I because Indy's like, you know, that was like seven hundred years ago. And he's like, Yeah, it's a long time to wait. And he's like, I've only had the one book to read this entire time. <laughs> so I do I do think that that's probably there. Yeah. You know what I always wondered at the end? Hmm. Did Sala ever get those five camels back to his brother-in-law for that car? Because <laughs> we don't see him have any camels when they're riding off into the sunset because it would ruin the shot. But, like, I do wonder if it, at some point Sala was like, okay, we need to make a detour because my brother-in-law is going to be really mad about that car. No camels. <laughs> Sala, that is five camels. Can't you count? But honestly, I really, I really want Sala to not be in trouble with his brother-in-law. I'm I mean, very worried so, about that. Uh, he lives. He, he, we'd have seen him in the trailer for for Dial of Destiny. Well, that doesn't mean he didn't get in trouble with his brother-in-law. There could be like a whole like, Indy, I have been estranged from my brother-in-law for thirty years because of you. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we've met Sala's wife before and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, her brother-in-law could be, like, a real piece of work. We don't know. We don't know. So, uh, I think that's everything we can talk about this film. So, Kiki, uh, does Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade have the magic? Of course it does. This is a great film. I'm going to agree with you. This does have the magic. This is a classic adventure story. And and as you said, many people consider it their favorites of the Indiana Jones saga. We Neither one of us has seen Dial of Destiny yet. And it has not been released at the time of this recording. So we don't know how that's going to go. But, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking very much forward to it myself. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. So let's move on to next week. Next week, next episode will be releasing on June 19th. Juneteenth. And in honor of that, we are going to be taking a look at the movie Ruby Bridges, the story of the young black girl that went into a segregated school. So that's going to be a very interesting episode next week. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. So come back next week for Ruby Bridges, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of berries. I had to get a Monty Python reference in this thing somehow. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. 
Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area. Is that uh, good or do, you, or do you want to do a third round? I think we can do a do, do that and you can piece it together from the two. All right, that sounds good. Let's let's stop the recording.